When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wrap Ups Live slash the Raptors Reaction Podcast, where I'm joined by Samson Folk of Raptors Republic, where we just watched the Raptors fall to the Bucks 118 111 and once again fail to reach 500. Uh, Samson, first of all, how's it going? How was your weekend? Anything to report that's exciting? Uh, nothing really just kind of hanging out hanging in I think um yeah as far as as far as uh, my weekend it was mostly just roughly around the Raptors going to last night's game covering them waking up this morning doing some work then obviously covering another game it's just been Raptor stuff basically and as far as um how they played I think that there's been some good and some bad there's a lot to take away from this game that's enjoyable and I guess to everybody listening on the podcast channel. Hey, Oren is on the Raptors Reaction podcast for this time around. We're doing a collab thing. So, Oren, how are you doing, by the way, man? Yeah, I should have done a better job explaining that. Um, I'm good. My weekend was not very Raptors oriented. I missed the game last night. Today, I went to my first ever gender reveal party. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those, but my friend uh, is having a baby. So he had a gender reveal party and it was really it was really nice and wholesome and cute. Um, what was the reveal like through what machination was the reveal? yeah yeah well, reveal? let me tell you these they're getting more and more creative with these so theirs was it we were there for like four hours before they did the reveal so it was mostly just a good time but at the end of the evening they had like a champagne tower with like a bunch of cups on it and they poured champagne from the top cup to the bottom and then the ones in the bottom cup had some powder in them that were either going to turn blue or pink and the ones in the bottom turned pink, so he's having a girl. Oh, good for him! Yeah, well done. Yeah. Uh, these so raptors, raptors, these raptors. raptors. They had a. They're not having loss a girl. Reveal. Yeah, they're not having a girl. <laughs> yeah, they um they have a winner loss reveal. Turns out That's this was a loss. What do you, what do you think was the main motivator behind uh, why they lost this game? Honestly, yeah, like I I think at the end of the day, it's just firepower. Scotty goes out with. Uh, the thumb injury at the end of the first half. Gary goes cold in the second half. And I just don't think they had enough firepower to match the weapons that, that the Bucks have. Like the Raptors played a really good game for three quarters and had a chance to win it. But even if you play the Bucks really well and, and you, you're right there with them, you don't feel very confident at the end of a game if it's tied going into the last five minutes against the Bucks, right? So... Yeah, I think I think their firepower just kind of died down. Uh, that would be like my most simplistic answer. Um, and obviously their offense in the fourth quarter really faltered. But yeah, the, think, what about you? Yeah, the firepower makes sense because Scotty being injured, Gary going cold, and most people who watch this game, they will have observed what was happening was a lot of those late game possessions ended up in the hands of Jakob Pertl. 
whether it was a missed shot, a turnover, an attempted pass to him, a lot of the possessions that started off with Pascal and Fred ended up going into Pirtle's hands. Why? Because they played Javon Carter, Andrew Holiday, both out there for a reason, was to apply a lot of pressure to the ball handlers to funnel them downhill into Giannis and Brooke Lopez. And so basically what happens with that is that those guys are going to be crowded, Fred and Pascal. That ball has to go out somewhere. If Gary's not hitting, if Scotty isn't there as a release valve to create some, to finish plays, and if OG is the only guy shooting, which he did make plays, although they did a pretty good job of running him off the line, right? That kind of puts it in Pirtle's hands. A couple missed layups off of passes from Pascal, a couple turnovers, a missed push shot, all this kind of stuff. It's not really fair that the ball ended up in Pirtle's hands to like, hey, you got to score if we want to close this game out. It's a big ask. And also you would have liked a little bit more shot making from Pascal in particular over the course of the game, Fred a little bit more so late, but basically none of those three things happen. And so the Raptors have a tough time scoring and and the Bucks, this is the best team in the NBA right now. Yeah. And not just by record, but they're if you were doing power rankings, they're at the top two. They're playing fantastic basketball. Yeah. Shot the hell out of the ball. They were they were just tremendous in this one. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence either that Pirtle is a guy that hasn't played, you know, he hasn't been with the Raptors for a while. And so this is really his first test against the Bucks with this unit and kind of in this system. Whereas Fred and Pascal and OG, they've seen this team a thousand times now. And, and I think they've gotten a whole lot better at playing them. And there's a reason the Raptors always play the Bucks tight. Like, I just say that to say that I do think um, schematically what you said makes sense. But I also think if you give Pirtle more reps playing this team and kind of matching with Brooke Lopez. I do think he would get better at some of those little things. But to that point, it's like, man, they're just so big and dominant at the rim. But yeah, yeah like Pirtle, his first half was pretty bad offensively. Second half, he he started making more shots. But at a certain point, they are just like, even I was, I had the thought watching the game too. It's like you see Pirtle matched up standing side by side with Brooke Lopez. And it's like, Jesus, like Brooke has some height on him and, uh, and some wingspan on him. And it's like, there's not many guys that Pirtle looks like smaller besides, but Brooke is definitely one of guy, those guys. And then you add Giannis into the fold. Um, yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to kind of match them at the rim. This is, this is kind of what Brooke, this is why size is a really good foil to, it more so to the Raptors of the past, but also the Raptors of the present is that if you're going to be a rotation heavy defense, how these smaller heavy rotation teams reap their benefits against bigger teams is they force teams to put the ball on the floor and they make them do like tiki taka passing. And they expect that to end up in the hands of a big who can't do anything. Brooke, despite having like a pared down role for the Bucks, doesn't mean he can't very confidently, we saw this in the Eastern Conference Finals when Brogdon and Lopez very confidently stepped up, were better than Bledsoe, were better than Middleton when the Raptors played them and beat them, is that Brooke Lopez was the big foil because the Raptors, even though they were a bigger team then, they also rotated more. What beats a rotation more than anything? A show more than anything? A confident drive through a show. Sure, you might be rotating over, but if I put the ball down and gather through that little bit of a show, are you going to have a hard contest at the rim against a guy like Brooke? The case, it's obviously not the case most of the time. So he was awesome. He he started out the game, I think, like doing a pretty good job of spacing out from three. He hit one out of two, reminded the Raptors that those were there. They were obviously, they start out, I think, like seven of 11 from downtown in this game. And as the Raptors kind of 
um, sharpened and refined their rotations over the course of it to make the the Bucks put the ball on the floor. Brooke was like, okay, I obviously need to put the ball down to break the wall on some of these plays. And he did. He was just, he's one of my favorite players over the past 10 years. He has one of the most unique career arcs and the Raptors, they paid for it. You could see it on so many defensively too, right? You mentioned this. There's just so many times throughout this game where the Raptors get that penetration, but you know Lopez is at the rim, so that ball's going out anyway. And yeah. if they if they lose offensive talent, they can't just like send a guy in and that's the next guy up. Defensively, maybe that's the case for the Raptors, but offensively, that hasn't been the case for a long time. Yeah, and you kind of have to beat the Bucks by being a jump shooting team. Like at a certain point, uh, there's there's just too much rim protection. And like Pascal got those like three almost in a row looks from beyond the arc in the first half mm-hmm. that he missed all three of. And as I said, Gary goes cold in the second half. It's like that fourth quarter offense was a lot of, OK, where what are our options? Because we can't really get to the rim and we don't really trust the kick out anymore because the only guy who's hitting shots is like Fred or OG who are obviously they're not giving those guys open shots. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's an issue we've talked about a lot with this team is like when you only have so many shooters, one is maybe cold. And and even if they're not, you only have three shooters. It's tough to beat a matchup like the bucks who are going to dare you to beat them with your shooting. And um, yeah, I don't know if we want to talk about Will Barton, but if you I'll don't talk about Will Barton, okay, sure. sure. Okay, yeah. so because people who are yeah yeah you actually you go first go nuts. <laughs> no, I I I honestly didn't want to talk about him that much. I just saw how much of it a topic it was today. But I mean, he goes zero for six from the floor. I do think, like Nick Nurse, say what you will about him. He's pretty fair in terms of like if guys have this many down games in a row, he does make those changes. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it made pretty soon, especially. If you consider the whole doubt and stuff with how many eligible games he has, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, um, it's people have made this point. If Will Barton is going to be a spot up shooter sitting in the corner, sitting at the top of the arc, spacing the floor for Pascal. OK, I'm fine with that. But Nurse has called him in press conferences, the point guard of the back of the um, of the reserves. And if you're going to do that, you have to make really good decisions with the ball. And like, that's what Jeff Doughton did. He wasn't as good of a floor spacer, but he made great decisions. He didn't turn the ball over. He got the right guys, the right shots, or mostly just kind of got off the ball pretty quickly. And then went off, set some flare screens, you know, just did his thing. Whereas Barton in this game had one turnover, but also had a lot of just bad shots that led to easy bucks baskets the other way. So my problem with him is kind of, his role and his, at least in this game, his um, decision-making. I understand that the Raptors, I believe Delton only has seven more eligible games. Just convert them. Honestly, like you're, yeah. you're down the stretch. This team traded their first round pick, not for this year, but a second round pick for this year. They want to make the playoffs. Um, I think it would be disastrous to have a guy like Scotty not get playoff reps this year. I think it would hurt a lot not to get, more of Scotty or more of Pascal and Fred in the playoffs. Like you want to get a lot of data. You want to get a lot of film on how these guys operate at the highest level. If you don't make that happen, that's going to be hurtful. 
And I think, honestly, Delton playing those minutes instead of Barton for many of the reasons that you said, whether it pertains to Barton being miscast as like an, an initiator, uh, a pick and roll ball hand, or like he's doing this foggy facsimile impression of those things. Like he'll snake a pick and roll, but there's no vision to play make out of that secondary bevy of options that appear. It's just like snaking a pick and roll because you're putting a guy in jail and this is what a guard does when it, when he has the ball. It's just... The process is like half there, but at this point in his career, that's not going to be a fruitful situation for the Raptors. So I think they should just pay and convert Jeff. I think that Jeff, because of his point of attack defense, which is much better than Will's, I think Jeff, who is, once he gets more confident at the NBA level, will prove to be just as, I guess, good a a shooter off the bounce as Barton currently is, and certainly a more effective guy getting to the rim. And I just, I wish that that was the way they've gone about it, but that's currently not where we are. I guess that's probably enough on Barton. Yeah, that's enough. But like, lastly, with Jeff Doughton, seven games left. The Raptors only have 11 games left. So I would just say start playing him and see what happens at the end of the season. But don't hold him for those last seven games because you never know what could happen there. Um, One guy I really want to talk about is Precious Achua. I'm just going to give the floor to you because... Yeah, obviously, uh, Precious didn't play the last two games, was held out of the rotation. Uh, second night of a back-to-back, they give him the backup center minutes instead of Christian Coloco. What did you think about his play and kind of that decision? I think it was January 4th of 2022, and then January 15th of 2022, the Raptors played the Bucks twice in that know. time span. And that was kind of the start of Precious getting like he was the the on-offs king for the Raptors defense through November and December, the early part of the season. But people hadn't really started to pay attention to what was happening with his defense. January was the month of last season where a lot of people started to notice how good he was. And that started with his one-on-one defense against a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm-hmm. That was January. And so it made sense when Nurse last night in front of all the reporters was like, I expect Precious to get minutes tomorrow to be a part of it. And he was. And this is Precious's, as far as his storied career so far, it's his minutes against Embiid in the playoffs. And it's these short little spurts as a guy who can hang with Giannis physically. And and that's not to say dominates Giannis, but as long as you can get in that realm physically to deter him defensively, not by yourself, there's plenty of digs, there's help side. Um, fun like foundational things that the Raptors do as a defense, sure. But Precious once again steps in. He got trucked the first time Giannis put a body on him, but Giannis also turned it over on that possession. Giannis also turned it over the next possession that Precious was on him. And his defense was far more engaged. He had a nice short roll into space. He had a push shot. He was a lot more valuable on the court in this game than he has been in past games. And it was it was a really nice game and where he wherein he applied himself. And I think that the Raptors were much better off to see him on the floor for that stretch. And I hope he carries this momentum, obviously, into the following games and the playoffs, hopefully, if they get there, because the Raptors aren't talent laden enough to just drop Precious mm-hmm. out of the rotation and be a better team for it. Some games they're a better team, but in the long haul, if they want to hit their ceiling, Precious getting like north of 18 minutes a game. That's the outcome they want. And this this game helps give them a little bit of momentum. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm i glad he found his way back into the rotation. I was a little scared Nick was just going to sit him for the rest of the season. Um, I think it made a lot of sense to do it today because like what you said, Coloco is just, 
he's not going to hang physically with Brooke and Giannis under the basket, especially as a rebounder. I think he would really struggle in that matchup. And Precious, as a rebounder today, was really good with five rebounds. I, I didn't really see anywhere. I thought he just got out muscled for it. So I thought it made sense to go with him today. Um, you touched on the defense. He, yeah, like there's not much more to say about that. Offensively, though, I do wish... I do wish we just saw more of this from Precious, like more quick decision making, getting off the ball, going to set pretty good screens, rolling like like he deserved to get benched. Like that's kind of it's a tough thing because I don't like that he got benched at this point in the season. And I think it could have been bad for his confidence and all that stuff. But just the way he played in L.A. was so rough that you can't blame Nick for benching him. And, And that was offensively mostly like. Actually, it was both ends. I shouldn't even say that. But offensively, the decision-making was just so bad. He would hold the ball way too much and ISO way too often. And I don't think he did that maybe once this game. But for the most part, especially in the first half, he was just getting off the ball and going to set screens. And I think part of that was also on the kind of game plan. With Pirtle, they ask him to facilitate a lot more and make those decisions at the top of the key. I thought when Precious was on the floor, the ball was way more so in the ball like Fred's hands more often than not and Precious was just asked to be a screener and I think that is how you use him for the rest of the season you gotta limit some of his offensive freedom uh because he does have a bit of a tendency to run away with it would you agree yeah that, that makes a lot of sense and also the the thing about this and the the unfortunate fact is that players do not have to adhere to their inherent advantages and we'd like to think like for example Giannis Antetokounmpo we just watched him play. He's fantastic. He's an MVP, a finals MVP, one of the best players in the game, perhaps one of the best to ever do it by the time his career is over. He is not a guy who inherently just walks in and is a really great screen and roller because it's a completely different set of skills and you have to want to do things. And Precious is a guy who's always fancies himself as a wing. I asked him about that at the start of the season. You've asked him about this before. And he's like, well, you know, this is kind of my game. I'm not really like a screen and roll big man. I can do it all. Mm. And the reality of that is sometimes he can do it all. For short pockets, he can do it all. But he can't forget the things that he's quite good at. He's very athletic. He's really good at, like, he's a very quick jumper, which makes him, he's quick jumper, and he can go up and get it, which means you're very good for lobs because you have a wider catch radius that you can access more quickly. That's like a great rim runner thing. But to become a great rim runner, not only do you have to match the pacing of the guy on the ball and maintain these passing lanes, but you also have to set good screens to keep him open. And it's like Jakob Pertl does all of these things and is a great example of that. And Precious is the guy who physically should be able to access a lot of the same advantages, but doesn't do those things, doesn't act out these advantages. And that's that's a little bit tough that he doesn't do that stuff because he he is so impressive in that way. But yeah, that's kind of where we're at currently. (laughs) Yeah, like I I did a piece on him recently, and I was pretty, I don't know if encouraged is the right word, but surprised to see that like in terms of all of that wing stuff, he has been better than last year. Like his his efficiency on drives is way up from last year. His post-up efficiency is way up from last year. So it's still like not near the top of the league or anything but it's encouraging that like throughout all of this he is developing those aspects of his game but we're at the point in the season right now where we just can't they just can't give him that sort of freedom where he's working on 
those parts of his games. We know right now, like you said, this is the part of his game where he's going to be most effective for the Raptors. So they need to put him in positions to to succeed. And that means, in my opinion, giving getting the ball out of his hands and asking him to do more of the screen and roll and, and some of the dirtier stuff. Um, I want to talk about Fred Van Vliet as well, because he's on a bit of a roll recently. He finished this game with 11 assists in addition to 23 points, uh, four rebounds, and a steal, three made threes. Uh, I, I just wanted to get your kind of opinion because I know we talked about Fred a lot at the trade deadline. I know he was a candidate for the Raptors to trade. And I guess since Pirtle, as it's been talked about ad nauseum, the Pirtle edition has really helped Fred. Um, has has his play recently and his fit beside Pirtle changed the way you look at Fred's long-term kind of fit with the Raptors in any way? Has it changed the way that I guess you you see his value or anything like that? Or are you kind of at the same place you were around the deadline? I think that I've been really impressed with how he's play made now that he has like a, a very, I think that Pirtle since arriving, isn't just like a valid roller. He's a, a high level roller and the Raptors, they've been able to do quite a few different things with his, his ability to pass from the high post. You know, he set so many great screens you can confidently lighten games, put the ball in his hands, have him dribble across the top of the key to move you through different actions, all those great things. But first and foremost, Pirtle has been great defensively, and he's a really savvy roller. Not It's not that he's just big and finishes a lot. It's that his footwork is really tremendous on the roll as well. The thing about Fred is that Pirtle has a very wide catch radius. He's a big guy, and he always makes himself available to his passer. And that means that Fred, who is you know smaller in stature, his passing windows, his passing angles aren't as direct as a lot of other players. And Pearl kind of elevates and creates these much wider passing windows. So not only does Fred have access to a guy who makes a lot more passes available, but Pirtle is also a guy who will convert a much larger percentage of passers than anybody Fred has been passing to on the roll over the past three years, perhaps four years. Like even Serge Ibaka, who was great in the pick and pop, during his time with the Raptors was nowhere near as accomplished a roller as Pirtle. Basically it's Valanciunas and Fred didn't, while Fred and Valanciunas played together, they didn't have a whole bunch of possessions with Fred as a guy running pick and roll, for example. So Fred, I think this is really um, validated his lead guard stuff. And not only that, but Fred over the past, what 13, 14 games is giving you like 26, like 10, 38, 39% from three, a really high field goal percentage relative to his expectations. He's been playing all-star level guard play and not in like a weak year, an all-star just like, this is a guy who, you know, put him in most years. He'd be able to make the all-star game with this level of play. That's really encouraging. And on top of that, he's playing about 35 minutes per game over that stretch. So to see his efficiency come up, his, the value in his playmaking go up, his shot making go up and like, he still minimizes turnovers He's been even better on defense after a really, really down year since Pirtle was there. His mm -hmm. digs are more effective if Pirtle is a backstop rather than if guys have, you know, more advantageous looks at the rim. Just everything about it has really cemented something that the Raptors haven't had the past few years, which is point guard center, which is the fulcrum of a lot of the best teams in the NBA. The Raptors have ignored that dynamic and it's really validated both Pirtle's value and Fred's, I think it's been awesome. 
-hmm. in the future, I don't know what that looks like. They have to come together and agree on a contract. But um, this this trade has really done wonders for both Fred and Pirtle, I think. Yeah, Fred is averaging 10 assists a game since uh, since the trade deadline, which is a stat I never thought I would say about Fred VanVleet, yeah. like to be perfectly honest. But part of this is tough for me because it's like when you have no one else on the roster who has this skill set, it obviously looks fat, like absolutely necessary in every way and just foundational and just like get the ball in that guy's hands, please. You say that yourself at times during the game. Um, but then like, it's like how much of that is just Fred Van Vliet improving as a lead point guard. And how much of that is the fact that the Raptors don't have other lead guards that you can give the ball to. That's something I definitely struggle with, but you can't like ignore his play since the, yeah, since the Pirtle acquisition, really, he's shooting the ball really well. He's passing the ball really well. I think his, I think he's really growing as like what you call like a pure point guard in this like get game manager he he you don't see him dribbling the air out of the ball nearly as often he's just like his timing with the screens is really good like i just feel like he's he's getting off the ball when he needs to and it doesn't feel like the ball has been in his hands a lot recently but it doesn't feel like he is a ball hog which there's been times in in his raptors tenure that it does well, people still think he's a ball hog, and the the Raptors offense has slowly transitioned from a Pascal-led offense, and that stopped being the case about mid-January, into mm-hmm. a Fred-led offense. And so there was a space in between those two things where teams were playing such odd coverage uh, defensive schemes on Scotty Barnes that everything that the Raptors did featured around Scotty's ability to navigate the middle of the floor as teams played these extreme defenses on him. After that happened, the Raptors kind of reset with Fred getting back into the groove of things, even before Pearl got traded there. And Pascal, obviously, I'll have a breakdown video for Yahoo Sports coming out tomorrow, I think, around his driving game. The numbers, there's a severe drop-off there. It's a severe change in his shot charts, everything there. But the Raptors kind of changed hands over to this is a Fred led pick and roll offense after not really doing so for the first half of the season. And none of the stats back up the Fred ball hog thing. He doesn't like they have cameras in every arena that track movements like down to the joints. Like they know is for pick and roll defense when a guy gets an arm in between and plays that way. So they can like designate as that as a type of defensive coverage for a second spectrum. And so they know how often guards stay on the ball. They know how many dribbles they use. Fred has never been like top of the league or anything like that. He's mostly just a guard. I think it's just that we compare Fred in our heads to Kyle. And Kyle was like the preeminent point guard as far as not hanging on to the ball, maximizing everything while you do it. Mm, and that's a that's tough comparison to beat. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought you were going to say we compare Fred in our head to the wings who play around him because oh. he's the <laughs> only point guard on the floor. You know what I mean? So any, so obviously it's going to seem like he's dribbling the air out of the ball compared to these other ball handlers. But no, that's interesting. Uh, Kyle set an example like an older brother that was un unrealistic to match (laughs) it's Um, yeah it's just kyle as far as making the right decision always made the right decision he made passes that like so this is what passing is right passing from the nba floor is really hard to do 
because the lanes are clouded by the six foot five to seven foot guys and their arms. Um, as far as guys who make passes, if you can make the pass that the viewer sees from the bird's eye view, you're a really great passer. If you can make passes that the viewer can't even see, you're like the elite of the elite. And sometimes Fred would miss reads that the viewer can see. And that's because of his stature and not having access to everything. Um, Scotty is one of the best passers in the league, for example. He's not as good a playmaker as Pascal and Fred just yet because he doesn't score as well and, and, and you know, dictate rotations from the defense. That could change as soon as next year. But as far as a guy who sees passes, makes them, Scotty is more in the Kyle Lowry vein um, as far as like just maximizing passing windows and vision and everything like that and making quick decisions. But yeah, Fred, it's such a, it's such a hard comparison to beat because Kyle was, was so underrated for so long, but you still were, you know, assuming that the good parts of his game would stick around and be resembled in any point guard who comes through. And the the thing is that just, there's like no point guards like Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Just like Chris Paul. And that's about it. Um, before we go, I want to get out of here pretty soon, but I wanted sure. to ask you because I tweeted about kind of, you know, the Raptors are, I know you don't love to do kind of standings watch, but the Raptors are kind of in this eight, seven, eight, like trying to get the eighth seed right now kind of thing. And I just tweeted like, this is why you want to kind of put yourself in a position where you win that first play in game, because it looks like the Bucks are going to run with away with the one seed in the East and if you lose that first playing game or you kind of finish ninth in the standings, then at best you're going to play the Bucks. Uh, and then I got some pushback on that, which I was surprised about because people seem to think that the Bucks are a pretty good matchup for the Raptors, which I don't necessarily disagree with. But for me, they're just so significantly more talented than any other team in the East that this is for me the, the definite team you want to avoid. Are, are you in agreement with that? I wouldn't want, I'd rather face the Celt. Like I know the Phillies number two. Um, I I think that I'd much rather face Philly or the Celtics. Um, Philly is also really, I'd rather face Boston the most of that top three. Um, As far as like Cleveland, New York, Brooklyn. No, no. no, Yeah. None of those are in play. So it doesn't matter. But also there's that, that Kawhi Leonard quote about standings, right? Like they, they asked him, (laughs) you look at the standings. He said, they're not going to save you. So like, I feel like it's the same thing, yeah. uh, even though I can't remember who asked Fred about the standings last night. But Fred was like, yeah, we look a little bit. So obviously not the exact same demeanor as Kawhi Leonard, for example. Maybe the standings will save Fred. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure. No, I think people think that because the Raptors have played them pretty well over the last few years. And they're Boston... not a good matchup. I, like, I'll no, say no, that. I, I don't think they're a good matchup at all. <laughs> I don't think so either. I think I think it's just because the Raptors, like I said, have played them pretty well and definitely played Giannis better than most teams play Giannis. But they don't have a whole lot of wins to show for that. So, like, yeah, there's been a lot of close, tight games, you know, mucked up games where it's a real, like, battle. And you could say you could make the argument that that plays in the Raptors' favor rather than, like, an up-and-down three-point shootout. But... um the the Bucks have a win and loss record to show for it in terms of especially especially in like clutch time they they seem to destroy the Raptors and yeah for me it's more talent than anything like well, there's I, also I, you know like there's a difference between getting up for Giannis every like two months yeah and then facing him like four times in a week yeah, and exactly. a half the he isn't the one who's going to get injured 
Like he, his body won't break down over the course right. of the series. He is the hammer. The yeah. Raptors are the nail. It's the nail can bend and the nail can like be like, I don't want to go in. And then by the end of it, it can be like pushed in sideways. It can be inefficient. The hammer took too many swings, but the hammer wins eventually. And Giannis is a hammer. I mean, yeah. it's just like that. Yeah. The Bucks yeah, you're are right. Really good. You're right. That's the point that we didn't mention is that if you're going to pick between Joel Embiid, you know, Jason Tatum and Giannis, I'm I'm not going to pick Giannis. That's not the guy I want to see in the playoffs. Um, Top Shot Tesla, thanks for the tip. He says, will Jay Crowder even play for the Bucks? He was injured today, but he has been in the rotation. Samson, anything you want to say before we get out of here, though? Uh, thanks for having me on. It's not often I see like the rolling chat. It's usually just me hanging out in a room recording the podcast. Mm-hmm. Thanks to everybody um, chopping it up and chipping in while we're talking. Lots of interesting um, perspectives shared in the chat. Warren, thank you for having me on. Listeners of the Reaction Podcast, I hope you liked this changeup. Um, I hope it was worth your while. And uh, yeah, that's kind of it for me, I suppose. Yeah, no, thanks for joining me on Late Notice. Uh, And again, yeah, definitely thank you to all our listeners who tuned in on this late night Sunday evening. Again, Raptors fall 118-111 to the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll be back uh, when the Raptors play the Indiana Pacers on Wednesday. Wow, two days off. That's exciting for all of us. Um, Until then, hope everyone has a great week. I'm going to play some Diablo 4 open beta, having a great time with it. (laughs) And we'll see you then. Bye.